Thank you, Kelly Robinson. Good morning, everybody. Good morning on this uh, middle part of August. Hope you're doing just super duper great. And we are here to talk about the plants at your place. Your place, your yard, your landscape, your garden. And uh, it involves you making a phone call, 888-256-1080, for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. I broadcast to the Panhandle and to Corpus Christi in Victoria in South Texas, all the way to the Sabine River almost, and that's to Crockett and to Far East Texas and to Alpine in the Big Bend country. If you have never been to Alpine or the Big Bend country, you have missed a beautiful part of Texas. I hope you'll go. I hope you'll go. And uh, everywhere in between, we're broadcasting. If you can hear me, you can call me toll-free right now, 888-256-1080. Even if you can't hear me, you can call me toll-free, 888-256-1080. But then again, you didn't hear it, so you don't know that. Give me a call now. Let's talk about your landscape and your garden. What do you do in the middle of August? We can talk about leftover damage from the cold. Yeah, clear here. What is that, seven months later? Oh, my gosh, it's just crazy. We can talk about your fall vegetable garden, which really needs to be uh, ramped up right now. It's time for planting cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. And um, it's, it's uh, unless you're in the valley or in uh, right along the Texas Gulf Coast, it's too late for a lot of crops you need in, in, in the southern half of Texas. You really need to get busy and plant beans, bush beans, and squash, summer squash, and what else matures quickly. And and the, the coal crops are fine planted now. Leafy and root vegetables need to be planted in the next couple of weeks. They can handle a little bit of uh, light frost weather. Uh, because you see, let me see, let me do some math here. We had our first freeze in the north-central Texas area where I live, outside the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in, in late October last year. Isn't that crazy? And then that awful freeze in February, but late October, and so that's just about 10 weeks from now, and and, uh, you multiply that out, that's 70 days. There are not a lot of vegetables that mature in 70 days. That's why you have to start your fall garden so early. This is a great time for planting zinnias and uh, marigolds. You buy them in nurseries in bud, not in bloom, if you can. Some of the smaller flowering marigolds and zinnias uh, they're fine if you buy them in bloom and plant them now. They just do beautifully. So those are things we can talk about. I would still hold off on fertilizing St. Augustine another two or three weeks, let it get through the bulk of the summer. Uh, Bermuda uh, can be fertilized right now. I'd, I'd wait to fertilize zoysia. And the reason for zoysia and St. Augustine not being fertilized in the hot weather is a disease called gray leaf spot. Uh, it is um, very much accelerated that fungus is by nitrogen in hot weather. You don't want to fertilize those grasses in hot weather. Uh, but Bermuda, no problem. It just uh, blithely goes on. It loves the nitrogen. Uh, if you're starting a new lawn, it needs to be done ASAP. Watch for chinch bugs in your St. Augustine. If the lawn looks dry and you water it and it doesn't respond, you probably have chinch bugs, especially if the spots where it's happening are out in the, the hot, sunny parts of your yard. That's a start. That'll get us going. Paula in College Station has already called, and we'll go to her right after I take my first break. Uh, then we could go to you right after Paula. Simple as that. Line is short. Get it now. Get in line now. It's uh, 888-256-1080. 
888-256-1080. That's for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. I've been doing this program about 30, 35 years now, and it might become a habit. I hope it's a habit for you every Saturday, live just a little after 11 o'clock. So give us a call, 888-256-1080. We'll get it underway in just a second. By the way, all credit to Jared Taylor, who is running the boards and answering the phones in the other studio. And uh, he does the hard work, and I'm grateful to him very much so. Neil's phrase, Lone Star Gardening, is now in its fifth printing. This is my book. This is my baby. I self-published this book because I wanted to be able to say to you, this is the way I wanted my book to be in the first place. I've done, uh, let's see, this is the fifth book that I've printed, and uh, fifth book that I've written. And the first two were The Complete Guide to Texas Gardening, first and second editions. And I was happy with those books. One was done almost 40 years ago. One was done, the, the revised edition, second edition, uh, 30 years ago. And, and they're good. I'm, I'm happy with those at the time. But they're way out of date now. You need Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. It has all the information done the way I wanted it to be done in the first place. I was able to hire Carolyn Skye as my editor. She's fabulous. And Cindy Smith as my graphic designer. She is equally fabulous. And the three of us did this book. It covers all topics of outdoor gardening for all parts of Texas. Lawns, landscapes, annuals, perennials, fruit and vegetable gardening. Chapter 2, I've never had in a book before. It's a 48-page chapter that is a calendar of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect all of the plants that you're growing in your landscape and garden. Four pages per month of things you need to do in that month. 344 pages. It's a hardback printed in San Antonio, not overseas. 840 of my photographs. It's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. I sign every copy as it sells and we've sold 67,000 copies so far. I promise that you'll be satisfied with it or I'll refund every penny. I have not had one request yet. It'll happen someday and I'll tell you when it does, but it hasn't yet. People are satisfied with this book, and I'll tell you, Chapter 2 alone, that, that calendar of when to do things, that'll pay for the book by itself. The book is only thirty six ninety five plus tax and postage. If I had gone through a publishing house and put it in stores and on Amazon, this book would be up in the 50s or even low 60s of dollars, but it's only thirty six ninety five plus tax and postage. I sign each copy as it sells, and I mail them directly from my house to your mailbox. Here are the two ways you can order it. One way is to call my office Monday through Friday. That's not the more efficient way, but it's a way you can do it, certainly. And that number is 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. Gretchen at my office will take your order and uh, will get it uh, mailed sometime during the week. And no problem at all. 800-752-4769. I'll be signing tomorrow night and for all the books that are ordered over this weekend. And that's from orders online at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. 
There's a lot of talk these days about Made in America. I just talked about my book being Made in America, not printed overseas. Let me tell you about something that's been Made in America for 90 years. I didn't have the idea originally. Mueller may have been one of the first to. Mueller, metal roofing and steel buildings made right here by people who care about quality of both materials and workmanship. Whether it's a metal roof for your home or a custom steel building, maybe even a shed or a greenhouse for the backyard, Mueller means quality. Mueller has four manufacturing facilities right here in the USA and with 33 branches for sales and service, there's a Mueller location near you. When you choose Mueller for metal buildings or roofing, you're choosing the best quality products to protect your family and your property. And you're supporting local jobs and local families. These are ordinary, hardworking folks who are proud to provide a product made for you, made right here in America. Visit MuellerInc.com or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's the number 2, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. To find a location near you, that's 877, there's a 2, that's 877-268-3553. It's Mueller, they're made in America, and they are made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. Thank you, Kelly, very, very much. All right, folks, I have a couple of lines open for you. Don't be stubborn. <laughs> Don't be stubborn. Let's give a call. Make the talk show host feel welcomed into your life. Give him a call. That sounds like I'm begging. I guess it did. Yeah, I'm begging. Let's have some calls. 888-256-1080 for the live Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Paul is my friend. She called right away when I asked for calls. Won't you be my friend also? Sound like Mr. Rogers here. 888 888- Two five six ten eighty. Paula in College Station. This is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help you? Um, I have a Vitex that we trained into a tree, and just recently its bark started splitting. And okay. you know, part of it doesn't look as good. And I was wondering, you know, if there's something we can do to save it. Well, perhaps. Um, how how old is the is the Vitex? It's about ten years. Okay, for anybody who is not familiar with Vitex, it is also called lilac chaste tree. I don't explain the name. I, I, someday I'll look it up, see if I can find out why it's called that. C H A S T E. Uh, it's also called Texas lilac, which is a horrible thing to call it because it's not related to lilacs, doesn't smell like lilacs, doesn't look like a lilac. But anyway, uh, it's a lovely old-fashioned plant that has made quite a, a rebound in the last uh, 15 or 20 years. Um, Paula, they were damaged by the cold, but I haven't had a lot of calls from the southern half of the state like you are in uh, about damage to them like I have uh, seen and had calls about in, in the northern half. I live outside the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and Vitex in our area were damaged, not not horribly, but some were. Um, the the bark splitting and the and the part of the plant that uh, doesn't look bad, it uh, doesn't look good. Are those the same side of the plant? Yes, sir. All right, and it has just the one trunk, and so that's the side. What what side of the of the trunk is that? Is that on the west side? Is it is it the sunny side? Where is it? 
Oh, God, I couldn't tell you. Um, okay. I don't think it's going to uh, be sunscald. I don't think it's going to be sunscald. Mine is a multi-trunk thing. Oh, okay. But you just trained it as a tree. All right. Yes, I trained it as a tree. I think what you're seeing is, is uh, damage from the extreme cold. Um, in many of our plants, it is taking this long for that to show up. It's becoming very uh, commonplace on oaks, especially live oak and to some degree on red oaks. Uh, for them to have splitting bark and uh, some of the oaks are going to recover just fine some of them will not vitex um, uh, i think all all you can do is wait and see how it it does uh, you may lose that side of the of the plant you may lose that trunk uh, mm-hmm. is the is the bark loss confined to one trunk uh they're on op- i have two they're on opposite ends it's like it's the outside trunk that are doing it all right well i i think you're just going to have to wait and see it will probably tell you next spring when it tries to leaf out those uh, branches that have bark split may be reluctant to leaf out they may not leaf out at all Uh, every plant is different we're finding from the freeze damage every oak my next call up is kyle in the city of victoria way down south and his ash tree has damaged bark ash trees were just devastated by the cold um, and, and this is just something that we have seen all across Texas. Uh, so if on, that part doesn't bud out, can mm-hmm. I cut it off next year? And, and yes, try to I would wait until spring. Yes, I would wait until spring. The rest of the tree will probably be fine, and you'll probably get some new sprouts that will come up from the base. Uh, if, if you have some good, strong new sprouts, odds are that you can train one or two of those to be new trunks, and within uh, next growing season, you may be able to salvage the look of the plant. It's awfully okay. hard to describe that without seeing your plant in particular. But with yes, crepe sir. myrtles, that's what we're doing with crepe myrtles. We're cutting some of the ones that were damaged, removing all of the old trunks and letting the new growth come back. And some of those are seven or eight feet tall already. So you okay. just have to wait and see and, and let the plant tell you in this case. All righty. I appreciate your call very much. Good luck with it. It's a pretty plant. I grew up in College Station. I grew up with those all around me. Thank you, Paula. Let's go to Kyle in Victoria. Kyle, how can I help you this morning? Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yes, Yes, I have an ash tree, and um, the same thing, the bark. You know, it always had lifted a little bit, it seemed like, but since the freeze, the bark is literally just falling off the tree now. Everything's Mm -hmm. leafed out. It's green and everything, but I'm just... Wondering, is there something I need to do to protect it to where... There there isn't anything you can do now. Um, Ash trees seem to have been damaged more than any other species um, in in Texas as a a whole. Um, Probably in Victoria, they were already leafing out or awfully close to it when the cold came. Is that the case? That's the case, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. And so the damage with them is going to be much worse than it would be if, if you were along the Red River and ash trees were, were not, uh, not quite as far along. But even in North Texas, they were hurt badly. The odd thing is you can be driving down a, a neighborhood street and you can see an ash tree from a block away because here's this big trunk that may be 12 or 15 inches in diameter and the tree may be 40 feet tall and you have a lollipop of growth in the center of the tree that is only 15 feet off the ground and everything above that is is totally bare branches it has flushed out from the main trunk and and nothing else and that's the way ash trees have responded in the north 
um, in your area, uh, if if the tree looks fairly good up above, and if it'll hold that foliage through the balance of the hot weather, then you have reason to hope that maybe the tree will uh, form enough new bark underneath to, to pull itself through. Is the bark loose all the way around? Is it cracking all the way around? It's, it's cracking, yeah. Well, no, it's... Um it's more cracking on the north side, I would say, uh, but then it, it does extend all the way up the tree to even the green branches. So Up and down is not quite as critical as, as uh, circumference, and I'll explain okay. why, um, or you may already be aware. Bark is a dead tissue, but right inside the bark is a, well, let me, let me start over. You have the bark on the outside, then right inside that bark, you have a, a cylinder of tissue called the phloem, P-H-L-O-E-M. And that cylinder is, is the, the conduction tube by which manufactured sugars are taken from the leaves down to the roots to keep the roots alive from the, from the leaves. The sugars that are made are sent down to the roots in that cylinder. Right inside that cylinder is the cambium layer that makes more phloem and then on the inside of the cambium, it makes more xylem, which is the wood of the tree trunk. It makes all that, that ash lumber that you see that, that foresters harvest. And uh, so the tree gets bigger because of the, the xylem on the inside. If you lose the bark, you lose not only the bark, but the phloem and the cambium. And so the tree can no longer produce more bark. It can't produce more phloem. It can't produce anything. It's dead. That kills it. The roots die. And so there used to be a time when I wouldn't say what I'm about to say on the air because there are malicious people out there. You can do more damage with a pocket knife to a tree by scoring it around than you can uh, by taking all the bark off up and down all the way to the top of the tree. Um, Okay. And and so I I worked with my dad on on poison plant control for Texas A&M when I was a kid, and he would take a hand axe and just, just... cut a ring around poisonous uh, trees out in West Texas, Mexican buckeye and other things that were, and he would, he would use that as his control. Here is what happens if we know we're killing the tree. Now let's, let's spray them with some of these herbicides on other plots and see how those do compared to what we know is going to kill over here. So Yeah, that, that was, I can see like there's this outer bark and then there's, mm-hmm. it almost looks like a root and then it looks like smooth uh, wood on the inside. In places, so you say I just didn't know if that's something I should worry about you say, falling, like because uh, it's in my front yard on the house or anything like that. That's a very wise thing to worry about. Did you say ooze wood or new wood? Well, I, I can see what it is here. You have bark, and then there's a another thick. It almost looks like you would see a root that was growing up on the inside of that bark, but then you can see like smooth wood past that smooth wood okay well the smooth wood would be the xylem that would be the inner wood that's that's what takes the water and the raw nutrients up in inside it's like a straw that conducts upward and then the phloem is downward on the outside um and so what you want to see is new bark forming under the old bark. Bark sheds all the time. That's a normal occurrence because as a tree, a healthy tree expands, the old bark can't, can't expand with it. It just falls off. But when it all falls off at one time, that's, that's a bad sign. So I, you might want to have an arborist, a, a certified arborist 
look at your tree and 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 analyze the video. They can tell a, a good tree person can tell in a split second this tree's in terrible distress or it, it's it's trying to recover. Uh, okay. You can judge it yourself to a large degree by the top growth and whether it's growing well and looks healthy otherwise, or whether it's regressing yeah, it and I starting. Mean, the canopy to is good. It has full leafed out everything. So. Okay. Then the odds of it's falling anytime soon are not so great. I, okay. I will be I will be very honest and tell you something I've written and something I've said many times uh, with with this species with this genus. Uh, it may make it through this, but you still have an ash tree, and that, that sounds a little sarcastic. <laughs> but they're not my favorite trees. They have weak wood. They have they're subject to a lot of borers. The emerald ash borer has moved into east and northeast Texas, and it will eventually be in Victoria. Um, and it's it has killed all the ash trees in the northeastern United States. So the the tree will eventually cause you problems, but it doesn't sound like it's doing it right now. Okay, sounds oh. good. I wore you well, out on my answer, that. but it was a, <laughs> no, it was, no, I'm, it was a good workout for both lot, of us. So. All right, have a great day. All Thanks right. for the call. Uh-huh. Bye bye. All right, we go next uh, after my next break. We go to Cameron and Hearn. And those two towns are not very far apart, so I had to be careful what I read there to make sure I had the right city. Neil Spray's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter. It comes out on Thursday nights. It comes from my computer to your email. And we've been doing eGardens for 17 years now, about to turn to 18 years. And it's always been free, and it always will be free. I do most of the writing for eGardens a couple of times a month. Diane Sitton once a month and Stephen Shambly once a month. Uh, there are guest writers, but otherwise I do most of the writing, and I really enjoy it. It's like an old-fashioned garden section. You'll always have in eGardens a featured plant of the week. You'll always have a featured question of the week, something that's come up a lot of times or that needs to be brought up more often. And you'll also have... Uh, gardening this weekend, where I point out the things that are most important to you for that weekend. This coming Thursday, I'm going to be writing about the fall application of pre-emergent weed killers. It's not actually done in the fall. It's done the last week of August and the first week of September. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've had winter weeds, you need to see this. And the only place you're going to see this written by me is in eGardens. As I said, it is free, but you have to subscribe for it. I will never give or sell your email address to anybody, and I'm not going to spam you. You just need to have eGardens. The way to do it is to go to my website, and that's neilsperry.com. Click on the eGardens tab. You can see the most recent issue of eGardens, and you sign up right at the same place. That's Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Same place you go to buy my book, neilsperry.com. Click on the eGardens tab. Sign up. I'll be looking for you. I hope so. We have 76,500 people currently receiving eGardens every Thursday night. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. More after this message. All right, you're right, Kelly. I'm still right here waiting on you. Good deal. We have Cameron and Hearn. Let me give you the phone number. You can give us a call. It is 888-256-1080. I am still reveling over the Field of Dreams baseball game. I loved that the other night. That's so great. I didn't get to watch clear to the end. We have, uh, I'll give them credit, I have DirecTV. So I recorded it. I'm watching it last night, and I get to the end of the eighth inning, and boom, it shut off. Oh, no. I knew what had happened. 
and I had my wife there, and we were just ready to watch the ninth inning. No. And it had one of her shows recorded right after that. And luckily I found it. Thank you, Major League Baseball. You put it on YouTube along with, let me count them, 77 ads in that ninth inning. (laughs) My gosh. But we got to see it. What a fun game that was. Let's go back to the phone lines. Oh, my phone number here, if you'd like to call right now, 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080. Cameron is in Hearn. Cameron, this is Neil. Good morning. Yes, yes, sir, Mr. Sperry. I want to ask you a question. We have a lot of old, big oak trees that's dying, I guess, because of the oak wood. I was wondering if there was any possible way to stop it. Well, first of all, I know Hearn very, very well, uh, having grown up in, in College Station and uh, when I transferred to Ohio State, I took the train from Hearn, right there where the train angles across Highway yes. 6. And uh, and uh, my first car I ever had, my dad and I came up to, to the uh, car dealership that was right at that same intersection of the railroad tracks. It's now a gas station. But uh, anyway, uh, and, and uh, I've been in Hearn many times. Those are post oak trees. Uh, Cameron, post oaks have a life expectancy. Uh, that's not going to be oak wilt. Uh, it's just, it probably is old age. Um, well, I mean. Okay, go ahead. Also, I mean, I mean, there's all different stages of them. Small, big, tall. I mean, and I, I don't know if it's oak wilt. Anyway, what happens? I don't think it's oak wilt. I want to go on record the second time as saying I don't think it's oak wilt. But go ahead. Go it ahead. It seems like. Once they start losing their leaves, I mean, they die pretty quick. Like yes, sir. To, and then, like, even the bark will just start basically shedding off. That yeah. happens when post oaks die. I grew oh, okay. up, like I say, around post oaks, and I watched it all of my life. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Is this around property that you have built on or, or what? Well, it's it, it's about three miles outside of east of Hearn. Okay. It's... it's it's, it's out in the country, and uh, it's just random, all random around. I mean, how much land you know, is involved? Oh, you said uh, three acres. Well, three, no, yeah, three, three miles. miles. It's, it's about a hundred acres, but what we're on, but it, it doesn't really matter. It's the whole area. It it matters to my question. I, I I'm okay. having a hard time hearing you, and so if I sound like I'm not answer or uh, uh, hearing your answers, it's because I'm not really hearing your answers very well. Um, okay. All right, so. So these are scattered over the 100 acres? Yes, sir. And All right. If you want to confirm, go ahead. It's, you know, like the whole area. I mean, just, there's big tracks of woods that there haven't been any building or anything on, and you know they're dying. All right. All right, let me give you my best analysis. I'm not looking at the trees. It's on a phone okay. call, so all I can do is the best I can do. Yes, um, sir. I'm going to suggest that you do several things. Uh, this is uh, something I've uh, answered many, many times. Uh, post oaks are the most cantankerous of our oak trees. They do not like human beings. They, they have the shortest life expectancy of any of our oaks, uh, even if we're not around them, even if we haven't done anything to them. The, uh, the uh, drought of 2011 killed a it killed thousands of post oaks over the ensuing 
five to ten years. It, yeah, this so may that be this, like when it started. This may, yep. And there was a disease called hypoxylin canker, a very weak fungus that got a start after that drought. And, and five to seven years later, it was still killing oaks. Uh, hypoxylin canker, you might want to look that up. But I would very much recommend, if, if you think you have any kind of disease involved, that you uh, get a, an arborist, uh, a certified arborist or a forester involved in diagnosing this. Uh, somebody from the Texas A&M Forest Service, or uh, I don't think you'll have a certified arborist probably in Hearn, but certainly at College Station there would be. Uh, you can go to, uh, let's see, it's called Oak Wilt. Was it TexasOakWilt.org, I believe. Uh, and you can read everything you wish on, on Oak Wilt. There's, I don't think there's a chance in a hundred, in a thousand, that this is oak wilt. I think okay. it's probably just the aftermath of the 2011 uh, uh, drought and old age. These trees age differently. Not all, um, not all post oaks are huge when they're old. Some of them don't grow very well, and they're they may be, uh, they may be uh, 75 years old and and still uh, middle sized. Uh, not terribly large. So, but okay. anyway, that's that's what I'm going to uh, use as my benchmark until we prove something else is involved. Until you find some evidence of a of a pathogen or an insect, I don't think there is one. Um, okay. And that would be my starting point. You could get samples, but go to go to the and, and another place you could look would be the Texas A&M Plant Disease Diagnostic Laboratory. Dr. Kevin Ong. Uh, runs that lab, and he has the plant disease handbook available online. You can read all of the things. This is Quercus stellata is the is the species of post oak. You can read everything that hits post oak and see if there's anything that rings a bell there. But remember, that's going to be on an isolated tree here and somewhere 40 miles down the road. It's not going to be a bunch of trees in, in a pasture. That's very unlikely. So I, I just really think this is... Uh, Something rather global, like the uh, like the aftermath of the drought. That's kind of when they started dying. Right? Yeah, I'll bet that's what it is, and I'll bet hypoxylin canker is, uh, and that, that that's the most likely cause. And it, oh, it took okay. out a lot of post oaks in in the uh, in the two thousand and teens. That's the best I have, Cameron. It's just some big, pretty ones. I hate to see them go. I know. I understand. I understand I fully. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call very, very much. Folks, that opens the line. That opens all the lines at 888-256-1080. Give me a call now, if you will, please. 888-256-1080. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my book, and uh, you can see what I've written about post oaks and other such things in the book. It's in there. A lot of things in there. 840 photographs are in there. 344 pages of information. More than 25 multi-page charts. I self-published this book so I could finally have the book I always wanted for you. It would make a wonderful book to have as a reference for your fall landscaping projects. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar, four pages per month. It tells you, for example, you turn to it right now and you see the, the four pages worth of information of what you need to do in August. You'll see the information I gave you about coal crops, uh, C-O-L-E, the coleslaw, like uh, uh, cabbage and broccoli and Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, need to be planted this month, and that you need to prune back salvia gregi, fall sage, uh, to autumn sage, to uh, 
We get a flush of regrowth for the fall, and roses, the same thing. All of that is in there, and uh, that's the value of that chapter. Chapter 3 through 11 are trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. book is not in stores. It's not on Amazon. It's available to you by calling my office or by going to my website. I will guarantee your satisfaction with this book, or I'll refund every penny to you. No questions asked. 67,000 copies sold. I have not been asked to refund a penny. It's only $36.95 plus tax and postage, and you get it not in stores, not on Amazon, but instead from my website or by calling my office. The website is by far the better way. I'll be uh, clearing those off tonight and tomorrow night and signing tomorrow night and putting them in the mail Monday morning. That's at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, or you can call my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. That's 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769. But the better way for sure is at neilsperry.com. More after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. Let's go to Ron in Corpus Christi. Ron, this is Neil. Good morning. How can I help you? Neil, uh, oh, good, uh, good morning to you. Yeah, I have, I have a uh, main question, then maybe a second one if you have time. But my main one is, uh, in a couple of, on a couple of occasions, I have let a crepe myrtle and a Mexican olive tree grow from the pot into the ground. And I mean, they are solidly, they're solidly in the ground. They're doing great. Now, my question is, they're both about anywhere from 10 to 12 inches above grade, the grade around them, because, you know, doing that. What are my options as far as I thought of building a little, you know, seeding well around them or whatever to raise the soil level? Or even I've seen some of these Japanese gardens where they literally will mound, and I'm afraid, you know, that might be covered in too much soil that their roots are, you know, be covered in too much of the root area, possibly. How large what, what are you, the uh, trunks now? Uh, they're the olive tree, probably, if you just, you know, look at it face on and uh, left to right, probably uh, six, eight inches wide. Pretty okay. good size tree. Okay. Crate myrtle's a little smaller, but still not bad. I'm, I'm staring at it right now. It's probably about uh, 15, 20 feet high. I think you could, over a period of two or three years, you could add soil and have a berm uh, in there. Uh, to everybody who's listening, what he is worried about doing is putting soil over the root system of plants, and he's probably heard me say you can do more damage adding an inch of soil over the root system of a tree than you would do by removing four inches of soil from the root system of a tree. And so he doesn't want to put the soil around the the. The, the roots, and I uh, admire him for remembering that and worrying about it. I think uh, the roots go far beyond uh, what you would need to do to make these look a little more normal. So maybe you can uh, add an inch or two and come out 18 inches uh, or, or 15 inches in radius on all the way around, and, and then next year add another couple of inches and go another two inches out, uh, so you're out 16 or 18 inches. I think you do that in stages, and I, I don't think it'll hurt the plants because the roots go far beyond 
where you're going to be adding the soil, and that'll right. just you'd almost be on. acclimating them, you know, kind of acclimating it to that yes, extra sir. soil. Yeah, it would be, and then you then you plant something over it to kind of camouflage what's there, either a ground cover or uh, an evergreen perennial, or or even turf. Although turf would be kind of hard to maintain, but but something to camouflage yeah it's in happening. my back it's in my backyard to learn i don't think that would be and it's almost it would have that japanese aesthetic you know where you see the little kind of ultimately like they sit up on a mound basically well I that's possible and stuff. you know another thing you could do ron is you could put a retaining wall in a crescent on one side maybe on the side that you're looking at and leave that at grade and then fill the soil behind it and uh, and 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 do that now um and 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 bring it up even more and and um, see if I'm doing what I'm thinking I'm doing. I, I was thinking of a little seating area, or like you're saying, a, a small little little wall or a little crescent a little retaining wall, like wall that could be kind of decorative, and and uh, that might make it look like it belonged there. Put exactly. it in front of the the raised uh, where the pot was. You have the pots right. off, I hope. Yeah, and then do you think I could uh, at that point if I did went that route? even add a little bit more height to the soil or i mean just really even almost fill it in where i need it to be yes i think you can don't go don't go any higher on the trunks of the plants but but yes you could fill in um but uh i i want to make sure that you heard what i asked you a minute ago and then i need to get my last break in we'll see if i have time to uh, help you with your other question um you did remove the pots right I, I, you know what? I haven't yet. I have not. Okay, yet. I'm glad I went back to that. You've got to get those pots off there. Oh, I will. I will. Okay. Yeah. It I, may, I may be harder than you think out. it'll be, but you've got to get them out of there. All right, hang with me and, and let me get these okay. these uh, ads out of the way, and then we'll come back you to it. you, folks. My yeah, ad thanks. is for my website, which is neilsperry.com. What can you do there? Well, first of all, you see answers to my 1,001 frequently asked questions. That's one thing. It's also where you buy my book, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, and it's where you sign up for Neil Sperry's E Gardens. You've heard me talk about both of those, so that's what you do at neilsperry.com, and you also can see my archived information on rose rosette virus and crepe myrtle bark scale and a lot of other important information all of that at neil sperry n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y dot com at Mueller, they believe in value their value plus buildings are pre-engineered and they feature an easy to assemble bolt together design Mueller's durable roofing panels are hail resistant they come backed by a 30-year limited paint warranty but true value never stops at just a quality product at a reasonable price true value shows in the service you receive during your purchase and in how a company stands behind their product after the sale Mueller understands that buying a steel building or a metal roof for your home can be a lifetime decision, and Mueller will provide assurance before, during, and for decades after your purchase. At Mueller, you simply get more. You get more for your money, more confidence in their company, and that gives you more value. Call Mueller today at 877-2-MUELLER. That's the number, 2 877 Two six eight three five five three, or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. More after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Ron, I have about 30 seconds. How? What's your other question you had? Other question is on, uh, I have a petite fig. 
and the birds and everything else attack those figs. It doesn't put off that many of them. Best, what would be the best way to protect those things? There is a uh, product that looks like uh, chicken wire, but it is uh, it is uh, plastic, and it's just called tree netting, uh, made for that purpose. Okay. You put okay. it up Perfect. and over the plant. Yeah, still get so, sunshine. Yep, that's back right. To that, back to that deal. I don't know you're pressed, but on, on the wall, how far how far in front would you put it in front of those trees? Uh, allow them room to grow, so I'd say probably 15, 18 inches, something like that. Perfect. Benny in right. Milano, life expectancy of oak trees damaged from the freeze, that varies totally with each tree by tree by tree. Some aren't going to make it through next year, probably haven't made it through this year. Some will get back to normal and live another 50 or 75 years. Folks, I've loved this. Thank you so much, Jared Taylor. Thank you. And to everybody, have a great and safe week. Until next week, happy gardening.